<laughs> and we're back on another episode of Film Junkies with Griffin Trey. As always, I am Griffin Schroeder. And I'm Trey Sobolewski. Also known as Embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I did not like that opening there, Griff. Well, I went for it. I shot my shot, as did Jordan Pelfort, the uh, title character of the film we're talking about this week. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Which, this episode, insert celebration sound effects here, is our double-digit episode, Trey. Oh, we hit 100 already? We, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about math on this episode so little, Trey doesn't know what double digits are. Yeah, no, this is our 10th episode. and, uh, <laughs> got, and We're excited, prove, so we wanted to choose know <laughs> a film that uh represents a lot of the things we like in the film industry one of those main things being leonardo dicaprio who yeah is, we are both yeah. massive fans of dicaprio we are. um you know when he got snubbed for oscars uh in, in that every year that he's made a movie <laughs> every year um you know we we were some of the guys that were actually really upset about those oscar snubs yeah uh the wolf of wall street being one of the films he was nominated for but didn't eventually lost in the oscars um, yeah what in the oscar for the oscars yes yeah well he won yes. the golden globe i know that he won the golden yeah. globe but for the oscars i mean that's what it comes down to right um you know dicaprio eventually did win for the revenant which we saw together we saw together i well i saw it first and immediately and coming you, out of the, the theater i knew trey needed to see it and so i texted him and we went and saw i saw it a second time and brought trey and i remember you saying if he doesn't win for this uh then there's absolutely no hope for the yeah. academy yep which he did win um but i think we almost might have said that about wolf of wall street which right we watched together as well it we wasn't did. my first viewing of wolf of wall street but we watched this together a couple times actually we i did. remember yep. in your dorm room freshman year yeah, my roommate's freshman year did me the honor of uh, opening my movie the day that it arrived while I was in class, and we're at the end of it by the time I got back from class, and, oh, hey, man, what's up? And if you know me and my collection of over 600 movies, they're yeah, like how many Christ times do you want to say that, They're dude? like Christmas presents to me, so when I get a movie, I like to open it and sit down and watch it, but apparently some people don't understand my obsession with movie movies regardless, but... This film, I do. The Wolf of Wall Street, is based on the true story of Jordan Belfort, who, from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living in living the high life to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. So it is a uh, very exciting, wild ride, uh, which, like I said, is, is based on a true story, which the film itself was based on the book that Jordan Pel Belfort himself wrote about his life. Um, which that book itself drew Leonardo DiCaprio into it. He, in 2007. Yeah, in 2007, he himself, Leo, was quoted as saying he was obsessed with playing this role uh, since getting a hold of the book. He said that he had been focused on turning what he thought was the depraved tale of Jordan Belfort into a film. Uh, however, he wasn't just interested in the story's connection to the most recent collapse of Wall Street. He was also attracted to Jordan's honest and uncompromising portrayal of what he actually experienced, which... I think this film pretty greatly depicts uh, the outlandish and um, sometimes unbelievable but true story, which came out in 2013. It was directed by Martin Scorsese, um, 
which Leo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese is an incredible combination. Yeah, one of my other favorite films of all time is Shutter Island. Yep, they did that together. They've also been together on The Departed, uh, The Aviator, and Gangs of New York. Which like, are... Those are all iconic movies. Right, yep. Um, I just want to uh, put in here, uh, before Scorsese was attached to this film, um, in 2007, when DiCaprio initially uh, got involved with this movie, he mm-hmm. was actually in a bidding war. Leonardo DiCaprio and Warner Bros. were in a bidding war with uh, Paramount Pictures and none other than Brad Pitt. So this film could have gone a very, very different way right. if Brad Pitt and Paramount got the script and you know owned the rights to the memoir. Uh, but luckily for Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio, it, it went pretty well their way. Yeah, I mean, it yielded five Oscar noms. Yeah, grossed $392 million worldwide, which made it uh, Scorsese's highest grossing film of his career. Which is good, but you have to take into account that this film also cost about a hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah so right. i mean they did 18 million uh box office the first week right first weekend which fun fact that first weekend take wasn't even as much as leo dicaprio got paid for this movie he made 25 Nuts. million dollars for Nuts. this role which is a quarter of the film's budget and it made him the highest paid actor of the year which if you're going to pay anybody money, give it to that guy because yeah. someone that starts their career playing someone who was, as I mentioned earlier, actually, no, I don't think I have mentioned it on the podcast. Maybe we talked about it, but one of his first debut roles on screen was him portraying someone Grapes. who had autism. Um, what's and eating, what, is, what is it? What's eating Gilbert Grape? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And people legit, I mean, I've talked to my grandma about it because she saw that movie in theaters and she said people legitimately thought he was uh, special needs, special needs in the film. Yeah. And he really is just that incredible of an actor. So someone with a legacy like his, like I said, if you're going to throw around stupid money, give it to him because he'll provide. And I mean, he 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 deserves it. Like yeah. obviously, he won for the Revenant shortly after this. Um, when was that? 2016. That sounds right. I I'm not the best. 2015. With. 15. All right. Well, see, I'm close. Came that movie came out in 2015, so he probably won in 2016. Then yeah, I think you're right. But, I mean, he deserves it. He's just an incredible actor in all facets. This guy really gives his all in every role that you see him in. Oh, he's very committed, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's going to put that money to good use, too. He's he's probably just going to go buy another yacht and... Oh, he'll probably go try and save the world, because he was the the ambassador for climate change for the United States. I know, I know. (laughs) Until we have also just just a fun fact about him, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has never dated a woman over twenty five. <laughs> Look that up. Something Trey aspires to to work towards at some point in his life. I don't even think that's true about me. <laughs> like <laughs> Trey taking open open applications for his yes. love. It's um, not even an application. You can just like I'll give you drop my phone by. number. Yeah, just just come on over. Uh, speaking of award-winning people as Trey, <laughs> uh, this film, as you said, was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Actor for Leo, Best Supporting Actor for Jonah Hill, Best Directing for Scorsese, Best Adapted Screenplay, because as I mentioned, it's based off of the book, and Best Picture. And then on top of that, at the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, which Leonardo DiCaprio actually won the uh, Golden Globe for this. Um, and that was the two it, it got at the Golden Globes. But this film, I mean, 
I I can talk about it all all day. I've seen it so many times. It's got a very star-studded cast. We talked about last week, actually the last couple of weeks, how many famous people are in the the last few movies movies we've been talking about. But um, this one stars. This one's actually not as much. It's as not some of the ones packed, but, but, but they have bigger. They're noticeable, names. yeah, and they're noticeable performances as well. Obviously, Leo DiCaprio with that title role. Jonah Hill playing the supporting actor there. Um, and then we have Margot Robbie as a love interest who you might know from this movie. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Or, I mean, she played Harley Quinn in, in the uh, Suicide Squad and she was trash also, movie. Uh, what was, uh, she was in. She's been, she's been in a few things. Oh, man. It's slipping my mind now. Oh, The oh, Big the, Short. The Big Short? Yeah. But she, she didn't have like, I, a. I, Tanya, real... there, that was the one where she played uh, um, yes. the. Tanya Harding, the, that was a good movie. I really liked that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's an incredible actress. Uh, watching this, also re- remember that she's Australian and she worked with a dialect coach to have a Brooklyn accent. Um, but then we see Kyle Chandler, who you might know from Friday Night Lights, a small show that no one's ever heard of. All right, I just want to break here for a minute. <laughs> I finally found this graph here. Uh, Leo, <laughs> we're circling back here. Yeah, I didn't Derek talk Jeter. for I didn't talk for a minute so that I could find this on Twitter. Um, the oldest women that Leonardo DiCaprio has dated was Blake Lively in 2010. She was 25 years old. In 2015, Kelly Roenbach was 25. <laughs> uh, in 2017, Nina Agdal. I don't know. What's the youngest person he's dated on that chart? Uh, well, 18, but he was 24, which... Uh, which okay. is better than Michael Jackson? Or... That's me. I'm yeah. 24. I can date... Oh, Giselle. That's Giselle. That's Tom Brady's wife. <laughs> Tom Brady's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I can... Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but right now he's dating a 21-year-old. And he's DiCaprio. 44 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Leo DiCaprio Dude, come is on. a master. Um, oh, based on or speaking of his life and the way he I'm lives, sorry, it, I just I had to. there's I just want to mention it too though. There is a incredible documentary called Before the Flood that talks about climate change, which he produced and I guess started, and it's a documentary. Well, he actually is massive, in massively the, involved uh, in climate change yeah, climate and change, supporting yeah. you know growth of the earth and and uh, species involvement as far as endangered species or rehabilitation and whatnot. Um, Total sidetrack there, but um, this film definitely has a lot of people in it that are noticeable, that do yeah, a lot of yeah, noticeable sorry. work. And, no, you're fine. Right. But uh, we have Kyle Chandler in this film as well, like I said, from Friday Night Lights or Bloodline, uh, which is on Netflix, one of my favorite Netflix original shows. Check that out. Uh, and then we see John Bernthal, who... Yes, this this is one of my favorites. Yep. You know that I'm going to bring it back to yep. Marvel. Yeah. He is... He's not best known for it, but most recently he has been in The Punisher on Netflix, and he is one of those guys, even in this film, he's a tough guy. Some of this pen. Um, He's he's a guy that uh, is just a tough guy in pretty much everything that he's in. Punisher, obviously in this, he's, uh, he's, he plays Brad uh, Bodnick. Yeah. Who is basically a drug dealer and beats up Jonah Hill? Yeah, he does. Which, um, from what I've heard about Jonah Hill, not hard to do. Probably deserves it. <laughs> um, and then another name in here uh, is John Favreau. John yeah. Favreau, is... not the uh, speechwriter for Barack Obama. The other John Favreau, <laughs> Jonathan 
Coyola. <laughs> Tell us about John Favreau, Trey. Oh, John Favreau. Tie it uh, back again. He tying it back right back into Marvel Phase One. <laughs> he is in Iron Man One and Two, and also directs and Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, I didn't even think happy, about that. Yeah, because he's Iron Man's uh, driver slash bodyguard slash. Yes, yeah, so Iron Man needs a bodyguard. Uh, head of security, I believe. Head of security. Um, but he's, yeah. Yeah, so he's the he's, director he's, of Iron Man 1 and 2. Yeah. So, you know, we got some Marvel ties in here. You and know, speaking I'd... of directors, Rob Reiner is also in this film. Yes, And this is. is this was actually his debut uh, in feature films, which is interesting. That seems weird. Because he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's old. old. Yeah. But he's he, just been he's, uh, he's Max Belfort. He's uh, um, Jordan's dad. Jordan's dad. Yep. I'm just waiting for, uh, you know. Marvel to give Jonah Hill a uh, a superhero. Fun fact: He's involved with DC. He is the voice of the Green Lantern in the Lego uh, Batman movie. Oh well, that was a waste. Or Lego One and Lego Two movies. Okay, then when's DiCaprio gonna get his standalone? He's his own Superman or superhero. He doesn't need to. Is he Captain one. Planet? <laughs> oh, whoa! Wow! <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That, wow, that's a good one. It really is. Um, all right, Trey. This film, as we've talked about a lot, it's it's a great film. It's It's got so much in it. I think one thing that stands out to me when I watch it, too, the cinematography in this movie is so... Like, the way that the film is put together, the way it looks, it, it has a specific like feel to it yes. that fully supports everything that's going on. I on agree with that. But I will also say that it is very scorsese yeah, it is. You can tell when Scorsese, you know, does something, right? Just by the sparkle. Yeah, that's something that I like, though. I'll no, I'm not. Up, I'm not saying that that's that bad. I'm trying time. to. I'm trying to find like the the glean of the the cinematography. Yeah. I it, I'm looking for an exact word. Yeah, but I, there's something that's just clean and sleek about mm-hmm. all of Scorsese's cinematography. Yep. And I think that this is another film that just plays right into that, and it's awesome, and I love it, and yeah. I guess it's, the podcast's over now. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Tune in next week as we talk about something even shorter than this. Uh, no, this this film definitely plays into the uh, Scorsese aspects of the things he supports in his films, um, one of those being kind of not improv but a free expression to do your own thing where we saw with matthew mcconaughey which is a scene that uh i quoted at the beginning of this mm-hmm. yeah him uh beating his chest um actually I, I feel like if i don't this is something that's funny to me trey a lot of these things like when i brought this up to you before we started recording that i was going to mention this part in the film obviously you knew this a lot of things that are like deep facts about movies that we know we think are normal things people would know, but we forget that yeah, like probably not. We, like people I, don't know that. I guess this was even even before. I mean, this this movie was like 2013, 2014. We knew that fact then, but we weren't doing a podcast. Then. Yeah, exactly right. Because podcasts weren't cool then. <laughs> We're hipsters on the podcast. Yes, scene. I love my beanies. But <laughs> uh, double shot, please. Anyway, the uh, scenes that uh, Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Tip your servers. Uh, so in the scene where uh, Matthew McConaughey is beating his chest and, and humming, um, that's actually 
not an improvised like it wasn't in the script that's actually a warm-up thing that matthew mcconaughey does before acting and leonardo dicaprio saw him doing it while they were filming or before they were about to film a scene and asked for it to be incorporated into the film because he thought that it added an extra layer or an extra side of a personality to the character mark Hanna that uh yeah, man. matthew uh, mcconaughey was playing matthew mcconaughey is weird yeah, he's weird. I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. I I agree uh, with that. What was it like in like two thousand one or something like that? He he got arrested for playing the bongos naked at like four a.m. and in his all like right, Malibu beach all house. Right, all right, <laughs> Some of those J.K. Living man. Some of the some of the <laughs> uh, facts about that fact might be a little off, but I know that he like. Well, reg- got he's got a movie that just came out today called beach bum that i think is probably just based just on him his walking life around. <laughs> yeah, it's just him and then he just gets a lincoln for some reason and just drives away picking his there's nose there's a bowl in the middle of the road and uh, i'm not at, at all disturbed sometimes you can go forward sometimes you can go back but i don't know <laughs> don't live your life in neutral that's the <laughs> point man <laughs> so, so um i'm pretty good about my language on this podcast um, some people... You're welcome, Grandma. Yeah, that's exactly why. I just didn't want to ruin it for Griffin's Grandma. <laughs> uh, shout out. Shout out, Grandma! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good about my language. Um, this film, though, is not good about its language. No, it's not. Um, there are a couple different counts. Um, <laughs> this film says the F word between 500 and 570 times. Mm-hmm. Nice little number there. <laughs> conservative. Yeah, conservative. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, at the time, that actually held the record for the most F-bombs dropped. It did. In a feature-length film. Which, yeah, which... Isn't, isn't a big surprise. That's that's yeah. a lot of F-words. Yeah. That's a... That's a- My count that I saw was uh, 569, um, but funny story, Martin Scorsese actually had that record once before for Goodfellas in oh, 1990. Well, that, yeah. I was say, that's another, yeah that so it's sense. funny that he uh, <laughs> he reclaimed his award. Um, that's an, another movie. Hey, maybe we'll add that to the list because I have got that one right next to me, actually. Got a, yes. I've got a bunch of movie posters and that's one of them. I'm a huge Scorsese guy, and uh, yeah, this this film definitely doesn't shy away from the uh, lewd and es- explicit content, um, and we might as well, you know, try jump into the uh, the sexual content as well. Um, this film actually was banned in five countries due to the high sexual content that was shown. Well, I mean, I I don't want to say that that's unjustified. Uh, I mean, there yeah. is a scene where uh, DiCaprio and uh, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, are having intercourse on a bed of money. Which, which for the facts, uh, Margot Robbie said gave her quite amount, quite, a, quite a lot of paper cuts. I mean, I'm still willing to try it. 
Anyway, Leo DiCaprio uh, said, though, about this film that he and Martin Scorsese were able to push the envelope so much with their depiction of the sexual acts and essentially make the movie that they wanted to primarily because the production was financed independently and not by a major studio. Um, Who has $100 million to independently finance a movie? I have student loans that you could throw me some money towards <laughs> if you have that much money. To... Dude, DiCaprio could like toss us a million dollars and that would like... Yeah, I'd be all right for at least a couple months. (laughs) (laughs) But no, with that, though, uh, Scorsese did, however, say that he had to edit some of the sexual content nudity out to avoid getting an NC-17 rating for this movie, which uh, shows you what those deleted tracks or the deleted scenes might look like in this movie. Um, But they, they definitely, with that, tried to stay as close as they could to what things actually looked like in real life or how these things went down jordan belfort the real jordan belfort said that he coached leo Leo dicaprio on his behavior especially instructing him in the various ways he had reacted to the quaaludes he abused as well as his dope induced confrontation with danny uh through the film he so he was on on set jordan belfort was uh all throughout filming this to make sure that things were being um Brought to brought to the screen in the way that they that they actually happened. On top of that, Martin Scorsese said that there were actual real life stockbrokers on the set, some of whom actually worked at the real Stratton Oakmont firm. Which is pretty funny. Which is yeah, which is a um, cool thing. Well, I mean, obviously this this film shows it for the most part, most of it's real. What you're just saying, right? Um, it it seems like it glorifies it a little bit. Yeah, but when you go back and really get into it they did some pretty messed up stuff at uh yeah stratman oakmont so it's like, i've actually read his book have you yeah i, I haven't read it it's it's like a screenplay to this movie it's very accurate and so i mean they actually threw him a small yeah. person at a moving yep. target yeah this i swear to god it's god, one of my dreams i swear <laughs> i'm kidding it's it's almost as if like I, it's weird. It's like a, it's really like a screenplay, as if like the dialogue is word for word. Yeah, no. So with this film, like I said, based on the book, it's kind of like a reiteration. It's almost like a screenplay the way the book is written. But there are some things that were changed because obviously, when you're going to bring an idea that's written word to the big screen, you've got to visualize it. And there's a few examples that things were changed. One of my favorites being the scene where Jordan attempts to get into his car while extremely impaired on lemons or yeah, what was it he called it cerebral palsy phase yeah where he can't he has no motor function of his body um but this scene was actually improvised on the day of filming uh and it was leo dicaprio's idea to open the car door with his foot um he actually strained which was his... actually pretty impressive yeah it is but he actually strained his back during the scene and they only did that once that whole scene. Oh, so did they prescribe him quaaludes? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can afford them, it's uh, Jordan ah, Belfort, a.k.a. Leo DiCaprio. But uh, this this film definitely doesn't pull any punches. There's an immense amount of sexual acts, drug use. I mean, they the actors actually snorted. Copious. Yeah, they snorted uh, crushed B vitamins for scenes that involved cocaine. Yeah, um, Jonah Hill actually was hospitalized because he got bronchitis from <laughs> inhaling so many b vitamins that's yep. how much like fake cocaine they snort in this film yeah so imagine if you're doing it for real what kind of negative uh impact what are you talking there would be? About? it would just make you 
awesome. <laughs> then you need a little weed to settle you down, and then yeah, and then like, Adderall to keep you keep focus, you up, and, and then a little morphine just because it's awesome. Yeah, right. That's that that's, was not Trey's uh, day. That was a Jordan Belfort quote from the movie. Yeah, no, and that's such a great, like, hilarious way to enter that film where you're like, yeah. oh, he's just talking about the drugs, and then you realize, like, oh, he's actually, like, not a good person. Right. Like, <laughs> and he's I, actually doing this I stuff. think that the fourth wall breaks in this film are what make it one yeah, of, they're not you know, major. so great to me. They're not major. It's not like a Deadpool kind of thing where he's just like, eh, blah, blah, blah. Right. I can't, I, uh, I can't think of a Deadpool quote right off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, he, he talks directly to the audience a couple times nothing major yep. it's not like an office kind of thing and then the movie just goes on chronologically and it's good i mean like you're not it's not taking away from the film it doesn't do anything but like you barely notice it is right. what i'm kind of saying it's yep. like it's just seamless yeah and i think it it adds another layer to show that like Oh, this Jordan Belfort guy is not a great dude. Like he's uh, kind of pretentious and definitely not the kind of guy we <laughs> you want to be associated with. But um, people you do want to be associated with are obviously Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio. Given that this movie did so well, um, Jonah Hill actually wanted to be a part of this film so badly that he took a pay cut, um, and he he's part of the the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, um, and they have certain limitations and guidelines as far as being involved in a film. He agreed to take a pay cut to be paid the minimum for the SAG, which is $60,000 for this film. That's nothing. And Leo DiCaprio made $25 million. Um, actually, a couple other pretty prevalent names uh, auditioned for a c- couple different roles. I don't actually know their roles, uh, but Chris Evans and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt both auditioned to be in this film. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know if either of those guys would have really been decent fits. Maybe uh, Gordon Levitt as like a yeah. straight-up guy. Um, Chris Evans, I don't know if he would have been a real good fit as a stockbroker. Yeah, I don't know. Seems like he would throw a shield at me or something. <laughs> He's going to be typecast now. Marvel. Marvel tie-in there. Yep. Um, But... There's there's a lot of st- stuff with this film that I've looked into after you know hearing a lot about Martin Scorsese and the way he directs and the way that this film specifically was made. Uh, for example, for the deposition scenes, um, kind of towards the end where things start to crumble, um, the actors were just instructed by Scorsese to avoid saying anything important or anything at all, and they had the freedom to improvise how they did that. The editor of this film... And these are actually pretty funny when they're... When oh, they're... they are. The the editor... When they're in the movie, they are. The editor, uh, Thelma uh, Schoonmaker, said that these scenes sometimes were 20 minutes long, where it was just the actors sitting there, like, just making up random ways to deflect any and all questions that were being asked of them, and they had to edit... It ends up being, like, a what? Like Oh, it's not even a 30-second clip. Th- yeah, in yeah. the film, and they had, like, 20-minute long oh, scenes, and... Just... and the editor said that they were hysterical, the oh, things sure that they, they were coming up with. I think my with. favorite one was, like, when they were eating donuts. You gonna like, finish that? You gonna finish that? <laughs> I got a little still, blood sugar. Still <laughs> stuffing one in his mouth, and he's like, you gonna finish that? Yeah, and then when he's like, do you recall? And he's like, oh, yep, the the Truman no, account. Oh, yep, no, yep. No. So you do recall? No, no recollection. <laughs> like, the, the film has, that's, that's the thing for me that I think makes it 
really kind of stand out to me is it has this overlying like humor throughout the whole thing. Like you're laughing or like on the edge of your seat wanting to see what ridiculous thing they do next. But at the same time, it's like, Oh wait, um, these type of people exist on wall street and they're the types of reasons why things we see like the stock market crashing in earlier in the film, things that are bad that happen. It's because these people live these ridiculous lives and I think this film is an important thing to kind of wake people up. It's something like we talked about the big short um, a little bit ago, like having that film be something that kind of stands out as like the housing market and how things st- statistically fall apart. This film is like a dramatization of that type of thing. See, I don't see it as much as like the big short. I see it more of like uh, – I see it more of it as like a Project X type type movie. Okay. It's, That's based on a true story, too. I know that that is. Um, so is The Big Short. So we're three for three here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is kind of like uh, it's almost got this party aspect to it where, like, you know, I watch Miracle. I want to go play hockey. I watch Project X. I want to go do a bunch of ecstasy and jump off house. You know, normal. Trace easily in folks. <laughs> <laughs> normal teenage stuff, even though I'm 24. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, I, you can't you can't tell me that Project X doesn't make you want to just go out and like have a great time with some friends. It makes me want to light a car on fire with Miles Teller. Well, yeah, I mean that's like Tuesday for me. <laughs> that's how I wake up in the morning. Um, but this movie, I tend more to want to go crazy and kind of you know do some stuff that you know is just off the wall rather yeah. than go be a stockbroker. That And I think that's a big thing that Jordan Belfort kind of talked about is, like, he lived this life because he imagined it. Like, he went out and made himself a successful person. And this is, like... Whether it was legal or not. Like, he had a dream and he yeah, chased it. exactly. And that's, that's a good message from this film. There's more yeah, bad say, lessons there's, yeah. that tell you, it's more so hey, like, follow the don't law, do don't do drugs, it will come back to haunt you, and you'll ruin a lot of people's lives. But have fun watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, three but hours. I mean, I. But what I'm trying to say is that like it kind of just hypes you up a little bit. It's an there escape. Are so many, yeah, there are so many uh, just absurd things that happen in it. Like even to the point where like uh, when uh, the FBI guy comes to his yacht, Kyle Chandler, yeah, Kyle Chandler, and you know it doesn't go well, and Belfort tries to bribe the FBI agent, and at the end he just starts throwing cash at him, and he's like. Here was called last fun year's coupons. yeah, call it fun coupons. He's like, here's last year's salary or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's like, you know, obviously I don't want to do that, but like, but you kind of want to. But do it would that. be like one of those things. So you where can like, imagine what it would be like, right? But you can exactly. <laughs> I know that that's a quote from Billy Madison. Yeah, but like it's it's like, oh, what would it be like to be able to do that? Like. It's a fantasy come it's, to life I on think the that's big screen film. And it's yeah. a fantasy for normal people like us. But Jordan Belfort did, like, a oh, lot of this. Yeah, right. Like, some of it might be hyped up a little bit, but, like, he did this stuff. And that's the most amazing part about it. Right. This might not be a documentary or a biopic, but it's so interesting to find out that, like, this guy was actually doing this. Right. Exactly. You know, they were paying for prostitutes with company money. 
they were paying for so many prostitutes that they had different tiers of how good and bad they were. Like, and that's a a business that was that was profiting and thriving for like seven years. That's ridiculous. That makes me wonder, like, what still goes on? Like, is there something out there? Like, does Apple have some weird stuff going on behind doors besides kids making their phones? It's that one percent, baby. (laughs) But it's like what. Yeah, you know, it makes me want to party and stuff like that, but where where else, like, it it does beg the question, like, what else is going on out there that we don't mm-hmm. know that we're not going to learn for yeah. another 25 years? Yep. That was a couple, a few of those scenes made me kind of think was, like, a couple of them where he's, like, sitting on the bed and talking to Margot, his wife, the Duchess, um, about how the FBI wanted to work with him because he knows so much about the stock market and there's different things, scenes where he shows, like, you wouldn't believe what's going on in Goldman Sachs and all this other, like, yeah, sure, he, some of it is him deflecting, but at the same time, you know those guys in the business know there's other stuff going on here that's just like what we're doing, we're just a little bit more loud about it, or, like, you just haven't figured out about these guys yet. I mean, just there. They have better raps on it. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of shady stuff that goes on, and I. That's why I said I like a film like this because it uncovers some of that. It pulls back some of it, and even though a lot of it is like, wow, I couldn't imagine my wildest dreams what it would be like to live like that. At the same time, it's like "Mm, maybe I should think twice before I go and give ten grand to a guy who just cold called me and told me to invest in a company I've never heard of before. You know, you did that. I did that with my FAFSA check. And that's why Trey moved back home. Ooh. Ooh, that one was a low blow. Sorry, Trey. Mine was a joke. Yours hurt. <laughs> I d- oh. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie made a lot of money, man. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Boom. As do Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio films. When you attach big names, you get big bucks. I mean, usually. it made like four times what it was, you know. Right. Okay, didn't we already talk? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I just didn't, I don't. Well, speaking of living at home, even though I don't want to speak about it, <laughs> um, you know, the arrests and everything that came from uh, Belfort and those other guys did lead to some house arrests. Beautiful. Segment. Yes, I know. I'm great. I'm getting great at this. Uh, Belfort was actually only in prison for two years for numerous crimes. Yep. Um that wasn't the worst part of his uh, his convictions. He owed $110 million uh, to various fines and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but somehow today his net worth is still like almost $100 million. I can't find exactly what it is. he's a motivational it's, speaker now. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's under $100 million. But like he still has a net worth that's like – net worthy <laughs> it's a notable amount yeah well see that's a funny thing though it's, that it's something said... that like it's something where he his net worth is probably enough where people google what is jordan belfort's net worth right nobody has ever googled that about me never mainly because nobody knows how to spell my last name <laughs> google would come up with did you mean and Did someone else entirely. Anything else? <laughs> Did you mean I accidentally fell asleep on my keyboard? And uh, rolled around? <laughs> That's how you spell my last name. Exactly. Uh, but I thought it was funny, though, that you said 
the worst part about this, though, or that's not the worst part of the jail time. The worst part is the hundred whatever, whatever you said. $110 million were, yeah. were fines. Whatever. My thing about that is, disagree with me if you want, but I feel like a part of the movie makes it that you say the worst part about, you're saying something. If you thought about it from like Bernie Madoff, for example, who did the same exact thing as this, except he had a pyramid scheme as opposed to, as opposed to like pink slip ripping people off, they stole money from endless amounts of people, millions of dollars from people illegally. But this movie makes it in a way where, like, you're kind of rooting for him because it's, like, this crazy well, thing that's, that's going on. That's not that, that's not really what I meant. I know what you're getting at, but I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I was rooting for him in this. I, I guess in some I'm I know that you're you more are. intelligent than to think that this guy who broke a bunch of laws is a good person, but I'm saying the way that the movie is I'm saying created. that if you asked me to go to jail... <laughs> For the next two years of my life, and I got $110 million when I walked out at 26, I would say, lock me up right now. <laughs> you might even be able to put me in solitary. Yep. But I'm, I, I've also never been to jail, so I guess I can't really speak on that. It's probably coming some sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, <laughs> nice plans you got for yourself, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> really setting the bar low, so when I get like... The clock is ticking on Film Junkies. Any... We don't know how many more episodes we have. <laughs> At least we made it to ten. <laughs> Trey is both into film and a junkie. <laughs> Very fitting title. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this... You know, there there was a lot of fallout from this. I mean, what? People died in this, didn't they? Uh, the Punisher's character, didn't he end up dying? Yeah, he had a heart attack, probably from all the probably cocaine. from all the coke. One guy uh, committed suicide that they mentioned in the movie at a yep. in a very like vulgar. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, it was a weird way to say somebody. That's how he says it in the life. book, though. Yeah, because but... he's kind of a douche. Oh, he's he's kind of a douche. He's the definition of a douche. I he might be like the number one douchebag in history. No, I'm sure they were probably worse. Uh, we have one that lives in this really big white house. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going <laughs> to stay. Trey, away don't from set it. me up for I something know, like that. All orange is go... white. <laughs> I go there every time. You know this. I know. I didn't. I don't like getting political. Um, but yeah, I he is definitely one of the worst. Like, but that's like you said, that's what the fourth wall things add yeah. to it to show that like lapse in character where it's like, oh, this guy really sucks. Like it brings you out of the like sucking you into, oh, this life he's living is so great. And it shows you like, oh, no, he's a really he's just not a, a great person. guy. Yeah, he's like, a bad I mean, person. Yeah. You kind of get into it and you're like, oh, yeah, it would be so cool to live this lifestyle. And then you realize you get into watching this and you you start thinking to yourself that like oh it would be so cool to live this lifestyle and then you kind of realize like oh this guy's just trash yeah and i don't actually <laughs> want to live this lifestyle like there would be so much more things i could you know do with my time and do with my 110 million dollars that he owed like there's so much more that you could do with your life than uh, just scam people out of money right and if you have that much motivation and intelligence, like obviously he's an intelligent person to be able to pull clearly, that off. Clearly, put it towards something that's not illegal. Yeah, really. 
And that's the moral of this episode of the podcast. Don't, don't do illegal stuff because you'll get caught. Not because it's <laughs> illegal, because you'll get caught. All right, so the past couple episodes, Griffin has asked me to give a quick soundbite about mm-hmm. why we should watch this movie and why this is a good film. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to flip that one on you, and you give me a quick soundbite. Okay. Let's hear what you think about Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Um, so from a back-end standpoint, as we've mentioned throughout this, this is a, yet another team-up from Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio that, in my opinion, once again knocks it out of the park. Um, they show us an incredible film that takes... Actually, they've done a couple other true stories in their film, so it takes another true story and brings it to the big screen in a way that draws people in and gives you a great depiction of the character they want to show on screen. It's a great performance by Leo DiCaprio, and not only does it cover real events in a chronological um, fantasy fact-based way, (laughs) it also gives you those underlying themes that we've talked about where there are negative consequences to those types of lavish actions. Um, it's a film that makes you think it's a film that keeps you on the edge of your seat. You laugh, you'll feel very uncomfortable with a lot of these things, but at the end of the day, it's definitely a film that at least for the two of us, when it's done, you're happy that you watched it. And it's one that you'll ask people at the very least, if they've seen it before, because it's one you want to talk about after you've seen it. Um, and as we've discussed in this episode, there's a lot to unpack with this movie. There's a lot of things that went into making it. And I think overwhelmingly it was more positive than negative as far as the outcome of this film. Yes. (laughs) Retweet. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good way to, uh, sum everything up. Uh, there's some good, there's more bad than good. But the bad is shown in a good way. It, yeah. As far as filmmaking is concerned. Yeah, but overall, this is a great film to watch. It's a great film to just turn on. Yep. I don't know if this is a film that they put on TV. Is that something? Because, I mean, I feel like this, I is, not. this is almost one of those up You want to get into that conversation right now about how I feel about films being on TV no, with commercial I, breaks? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't, don't want to do that right now. talk about that. Um, what I'm saying is this is one of those that's up there with like Shawshank Redemption where like if I see it on or like even if it just flashes on, you know, my laptop or something, I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. I'm gonna, it's one I'm of those movies if one. you if someone starts talking about it, like your thought is like, I want to go watch that movie. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's just a, it's a fun time. Um, although it's true, don't. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't think too much about it. If you're listening to our podcast and you're on the edge of whether or not you're going to commit <laughs> securities fraud in the stock market, don't. Please. All right. Well, that goes out for all the uh, the children out there. That's that's our... <laughs> At the very least, just listen to the song, Jordan Belfort. It's oh, God. One. Such a bad song. All right, well, that's where we're going to end it because I think we're just going off on weird tangents here. Um, Anything else, Griff? That's all I got. All right, well, thanks for listening to Film Junkies with Griff and Trey. We hope to see you guys again next week.